it's not the crashing that scares me. It's the fact that I've been in a situation where I've experienced that much physical pain and I've had to live through the day, the hour to out the minute, minute, day, hour, whatever. Like it is a very arduous process. Um, and you're alone a lot in, you know, the first week when something like that happens, everybody is engaged and then, everyone kind of, and they're not doing it on purpose. I mean, people have their lives to live, but then, you know, you're still spending 20 minutes trying to lift your leg out of bed every morning and like crying while you're peeing because like it hurts so bad to sit down. That was just Sarah, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. What's up listeners, friends, tribe members, community at large, I'm Jess, your host. And I'm super pumped to be back here with episode 78 of the YTP. We have a strong, deep, beautiful conversation for you today. But before diving in, I just want to serve up major thanks to everyone for tuning in, sharing the show, supporting us on Patreon, and sending us your feedback and experiences that you're having on account of this podcast. The YTP is nothing without you, without our guests, many of whom are now loyal listeners, which is so cool. And of course, without us, BJ and I and Clark, it's this team of powerful beings that has brought us all to where we are today. I'm talking about all of us, you guys. And if you're looking to take it deeper down your road to superpower living, then check out our M21 challenge, which we introduced on our last episode. For $21, you'll join an elite group of athletes and non-athletes alike looking to up their game in life and sport. There's a link in the show notes to register. The program starts Monday, November 27th, and I'm partnering with Golden Duffy and Pod Favorite from episode 72. I believe our combination of skills is going to rock some worlds. So check it out. All right, on to our guest today. Jess is a writer, chef, professional cyclist, business owner, risk taker, yogi, and all around badass. We were connected with Jess when she found me online and invited me to be a featured chef in Triathlete Magazine. Many of you saw this article. It was published in the October issue. We've got a link in the show notes. So if you didn't see it, check it out because I share a recipe from the Yogi Triathlete Cookbook, which we'll be publishing in time for the holidays. Timing is divine, you guys. It always is. And I'm so happy for the patience and the days and even the months that have passed making this book available for the perfect gift this coming holiday season. Jess and I have stayed in touch, threatening to get together for a yoga class, but with our full schedules and Jess being on the big island of Hawaii, chefing for Cervelo leading up to and during the Ironman World Championship, we haven't been able to connect our schedules until last week when within a day we made this interview happen. And wow, wow, it was so much more than I had expected. Of course, we never know what we're going to uncover during our chats. All I know is that we book our guests from the pull we get in our heart and not from their social media following. We move from a place of flow. And so far, it has never led us astray. In fact, these are key elements in living the awake and ready life. And Jess has certainly experienced a plethora of life's challenges, devastations, and triumphs that keeps her awake and on the edge of her seat. 
born from a place of dissatisfaction with the energy bar industry, Jess set up camp in her kitchen and went in search of a creation that didn't already exist. Her end result is her line of whole food, non-GMO, plant-based bars logically named Joje in honor of herself and business partner and fellow cyclist, John. Jess and John were so kind to gift us a box, leaving out the one that contains dairy. Oh, how sweet they are. They must have known. And I can say that they taste delicious. They're like soft-baked cookies. They do contain honey, but if you're vegan like we are, then definitely give them a try. Progress, not perfection, is the way, you guys. I mindfully, meaning I didn't slam an entire bar at once, powered a few hot yoga classes with them and a run with no problemo on my stomach because they do pack a punch. They have a high caloric count. With her background as a professional athlete, chef, and exercise physiologist, Jess was able to combine her knowledge of science, the body, and athletics to create these super yum bars. We talk about the birthplace of Joje, and then we warm up into a very deep conversation about Jess's journey in this life. She is no doubt living her purpose, and like other high-level athletes that we've had on the show, she is way more yogi than I think she knows. Meditation, yoga, cycling, racing, crashing, recovering, detaching, and letting go, there's not much we don't cover today. Jess has undergone major invasive surgeries to repair her body. She's experienced horrific crashes. She's put herself through school. She's lived against the grain and she's been on top of the podium, a place she no doubt will be again. I'm so honored to share with you our convo with Jess Sarah. Two years, and I'm like, well, you know, it's good. It's good to have that it is, vision. It is. He's got that. Yes. Like, he's like, we're gonna be millionaires. I'm and like, there's no, <laughs> reason, there's no reason why you can't. There's no reason why you can't. There's absolutely no reason. True. Yeah, that is so, so good. Yeah, that's the cacao. All right, so I got this thing rolling. Um, but that. So money is energy, right? Yes. We we think it's we think it's like this. It's this material thing that we can hold and it's tangible. But like, if he can hold that in his, if he can see that in his mind. You can hold that in your hand. Yeah. It's like, it's believing that it's possible. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing. Like it's, it's law of attraction of sorts, but you have to do it with like zero doubt. Right. So you got to go all in girl. I'm, I'm all in. I just feel like I'm not quite as like, he has a sales and marketing background. So he's like ABC. He's always be closing. Oh my and God. and I'm, totally. I'm more like, yay, I'm Jess, and I ride my bike, and I make these really good bars, and I just have a different approach, and I, I don't think that we just have very different approaches. I, but I think that that's, I think that that's good because we, just when you were like describing that, like, I make these bars, and I ride my bike, like, to me, there's, that is love. Right. And that's where you want the creation to come from. Yeah. And then you need that person in there. Like, we've got a couple people in our life now, because we're... We're so good at giving everything away for free. We're so good at that. Like we are experts. And so (laughs) we've got some people in our life that are like, stop it, cut it off. You it's, and it's not, don't feel bad about it. Don't again, money is energy. So it's current. Everything is currency. Like this exchange that we're having is currency. We just think currency is money, but I think it's a perfect balance. It is, and you're exactly right because John, we, I need his business background and that ability to 
run our business day to day. Yeah. And that includes saying no a lot. It's even to friends and family. We don't even give the bars to our parents for free. We're like, you need to support us, order on our website. You know what? That's really, I like that. And I can't believe that there's a box of bars sitting on our counter right now. <laughs> well, are we getting a bill? <laughs> <laughs> there's a bill in there. We will be linking to the Kickstarter program. But yeah, I mean, I was, I love how this like kind of comes Just together so, because yeah. I was thinking like, oh, we'll definitely talk about the bars at some point, but we're already talking about the bars. So let's talk about the bars. Because I think this is really cool because you're going after you're going after something, and I want to know like what was tell tell us first of all <clears throat> who's John? Is that your partner? Your John husband, is your... my business partner, and it's really confusing because it would appear on social media if you don't know us, and on our bars there's a picture of us with our arm around each other, you know, oh, we're covered in mud um, on the back of the bar, just off our mountain bikes. Yep. We are friends and business partners. Um, we've been through a lot of ups and downs together in life and with injuries, specifically him getting hit by a car last year and almost getting killed. Whoa. Um, so we have a really special relationship. I think a lot of men and women don't have a relationship like ours. Um, so it's hard for people to understand, but I feel like he's my brother and, we're great business partners. There's a, it's a hundred percent trust, a hundred percent respect, and we just work work well. How did together. you guys meet? We actually met on the bike on the Swami's ride. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and truth be told, we did date for three years, and we were even got engaged. And that was the point where I think we were both mature enough in our like romantic lives and where we were going with the relationship to understand like, hey, we love each other and we're really good friends, but romantically we're not suited for each other and yeah so it's just we had already started the business when we were dating and we were really passionate about it and it seems flawless or seamless as in people ask me questions about this all the time and you just can't really explain how it is when you have someone like this in your life well, it's against like the social norm, norm, norm right. of how men and women are to interact. Right. And you guys are clearly soulmates. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that you need to get married and have children and, and have a romantic life together. It means that you guys have like a, a soul contract and you're here to get some work done. I like that. A soul contract. Yeah. Soul contract. Like yeah. BJ and I have a soul contract and I knew it the I mean, I didn't know it, but there was something so massive that hit me the moment I saw him. And I didn't even see his face. I only saw him from behind. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Checking out the I know what well, you're doing. It was more. <laughs> She's like, look at that. I did check out the merchandise for sure from the back first. And it, it was good. That's how I realized that you wore the same pair of pants every single day because I kept checking out the merchandise. I was like, I think he's wearing the same pants. And then we started dating. And of course, it then came sleepovers. And I was like, he's, he's wearing, wearing the same, same pair pants. of pants. Because he would like take them off and put them over the chair. And then the next morning he would put them on. I was like, yeah, that's it. Okay. But like we have a soul contract. Like I know we do. And we came together at that point at, at age 25. That was over 20 years ago. We came together to, to get work done in this life. And this is what it's now come into as Yogi right. Triathlete. And so there's something there that, and, and, and it's this project right now that's in front of you, but it's going to grow into more and more and more. Unless Definitely. that contract ends. Like, and, and you'll know. Just like, yeah. you knew, like, wait, why were we engaged? Like, we can't get married. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just know. And then when it's done, 
Whereas most people would hang on, you know, like, I guess. Try to struggle to make this work. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, now what are we going to tell our friends? We got engaged and we'll look stupid. And we were just like, well, we'd probably look more stupid if we got married and we weren't happy. And then we got divorced. And so how did you, how did you navigate all that? Because there's a lot of things that people are probably had said about like, you know, like gossipy about what, what was going on. Like, how did you guys kind of say, well, we're going to continue to move forward regardless if people understand this or not? I think it's, you're right, too, and, like, every little community has their, <laughs> like, the cycling community. It's really close-knit, and people talk and gossip. It, so I, I don't know. We just kind of brushed it off. Because we go on the rides together and everyone's like, we don't believe you. Or like, John, you really messed that up. Like, look at her. She can take 400 watt pulls. Like any guy would want to marry her. Like total, just like <laughs> BS. Like who cares how hard I can pull on the group ride? <laughs> the guy might be a total like a-hole <laughs> off the bike. But so, you know, I'm joking with that. But joking on my cacao. It's a really good question because we still are navigating it, right? It's just so hard for people to understand. How can a male and a female be this close and Coexist, not be yeah. like there can't be anything sexual or romantic between them and there there just isn't. And yeah, I can only describe it as like he is my brother and we, we also joke like you're like I'm blocking him from dating women and he's blocking me from dating guys because we're all over social media together and we're in the grocery stores together. So sometimes we actually just pretend like we're brother and sister. So people will think that. And so, you know. Until they listen. Yeah. To the show. Until, yeah. (laughs) And and then it's all revealed. Available. Yes. (laughs) She's available. We'll get all her links in the show notes. By the way, link to Bumble, Tinder. No, I'm just kidding. I I think it's very similar to like when, so it's something that's against the norm and it makes, and people are uncomfortable with it. So they have to, with the uncomfortableness, they have to make weird kind of lame jokes about it. Same thing like when we went plant-based. You know, just weird, like it's not the norm, or at least it wasn't seven years ago, and it probably still isn't now, but people just making kind of weird jokes about it and making themselves feel more comfortable around it. And that's how we kind of navigated the, who cares what people think of us? You know, like when we sold our house and got rid of everything and moved into our car, not everybody loved that idea. And they were very uncomfortable with it and because it was high risk, right? right? It's not, it's against the grain, but we don't, I don't want to live with the grain. I don't want, I don't want to live with the grain. I tried to live with the grain and that doesn't work for me you know I feel so, you alright so tell us about the bars and how they all came to be what was the inspiration so the inspiration was I, it's kind of like a melting pot of skills that sort of came together that I never meant for this to happen and I, I moved out to San Diego to attend grad school at San Diego State and I was studying exercise physiology And I was studying um, calcium reabsorption in sweat, looking at uh, bone loss or calcium loss and how it related to bone density in elite cyclists. So I was really trying to make the link between, you know, all the professional cyclists at that at that time. This was back in 2005 when osteoporosis and like nutrition and stuff in cycling was still pretty horrible. Um. So I, I didn't even ride a bike at the time. I wouldn't even call myself like a cook at that time. 
but I was in the lab with all these cyclists and wanted to get into it. And I did a VO2 max test on the bike and had a really high VO2 max, like in the seventies, which is a, mm-hmm. a elite, like professional level number. And you were like, Oh, I was like, Hmm, okay. <laughs> so somebody needs to give me a bike now because <laughs> I'm a poor grad student and my professor gave me a bike. I started riding and, um, Soon started to learn a lot more about being competitive. I started racing Xterra off-road triathlon um, and was really improving. Like the the learning curve was quick for me because I had never done an endurance sport like that, but I had the engine. So I wanted to improve on my nutrition. And at that time, there really were not any interesting bars out there. The the most revolutionary bar at the time was Bonk Breaker. And and they were pretty much the only thing besides Cliff Bar or Power Bar. Um, and they were hard to find. And at that point in time, they also seemed expensive. So I had a joke with my friends. They were like, well, you could probably make something. And like, can you make a healthy cookie? Because we loved eating cookies on the bike. And that's how I started. I was tinkering around in the kitchen baking pans of cookie bars. I knew the trend was going to be gluten-free and I knew that a lot of people were finding that eating things on the bike and on the run that were gluten-free was easier to digest and they were having less irritation in their gut. So I was focusing on learning how to bake gluten-free and the macronutrients that were going into the bar because the, the research was showing, well, endurance athletes need more fat. And they still need carbohydrates, but it doesn't need to be this bar that's like 50 grams of carbohydrates and tons of sugar. Like our bodies are operating off of fat the majority of the time that we're training. So with all of those concepts, I just took a pad of paper and a pen into the kitchen and started baking and writing things down and looking at the macronutrients and passing them out to my friends and everyone loved them. And before I knew it, people were paying me to bake them bars and I was shipping them all over the country because when I would go and race, people would try them and they would order from me. So I got to the point where I was very overwhelmed and John was like, you can write a business plan. I'll help you write a business plan. And like, let's find a kitchen. I think you have something really unique here. So that's pretty much, that's how we started. So you're doing all the cooking out of your own kitchen for all your friends and at that point I was yeah and you know what we have this picture of me with bars all over the counter and I'm like basically in my pajamas and you can tell like I it's (laughs) probably like midnight and I'm baking and John always wanted to take pictures of me doing it and I would never let him and we have this one picture and I really regret not taking more of the process of how they were born but yeah, so that's how we started. What was the, um, so there's tons of flavors you can go through, but what was like, what was the direction you went in? Is it like the peanut butter, the chocolate, or? I went straight for the peanut butter chocolate chip yeah. because it was the most approachable for me to learn from. But that's actually our only flavor that is peanut butter based. And we grind our own peanuts fresh. So it's really like, I made a Instagram post today about that being our first flavor and how it's been done before. Mm-hmm. But Ours is so different. Like it is, I had one this weekend on the bike and it was warm in my pocket. And sometimes I just can't believe that I made it because it's really good. It's really good. (laughs) So if the audience is listening, like you can feel the passion that you have, you can just feel like you're supposed to be doing this. 
This right. <laughs> absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And just and just see where it takes you. But I, we can see, and I can't wait to try them. We haven't tried them yet, but we will. I know. I want to put one in my back pocket and let it get warm. <laughs> and like, <laughs> kind of marinate it with it. I want to get a little sweat on the wrapper first. <laughs> That's how it should be done. <laughs> So, and you got great feedback from the rides, right? So people were using them on yeah. the rides. So they're not only like, are they a snack or are they just specifically for more, more so for training? I would say that definitely for endurance athletes, adventure and recreational enthusiasts, climbers, hikers, you know, for ki- like they'd be a great replacement to it for a cookie for a kid, busy moms. Um, before, you know how it's sometimes hard to find that thing before a run or a swim session or even CrossFit or something where you don't want to have like a whole breakfast, but you also, if you eat like a granola bar, it really doesn't do the trick. I think they're great for that. And they actually curb my cravings later, you know, cause I'm not depleted when I'm done. Um, but with that said, they are dense. They're an energy bar. So they range between 260 to 280 calories for a 2.2 ounce bar. Um, but our sugar content is relatively low comparatively to other brands with that amount of calories and carbohydrates. So we're in the like 11 to 12 gram sugar range. How do you feel like the absorbability is like, for example, somebody using it, I'm thinking Ironman, um, Mm -hmm. like they'd be great to take in on the bike, but like onto like for running. Right. Well, we have some professional Ironman athletes that use our product and I can't say who they are because they're sponsored by other nutrition companies, (laughs) um, (laughs) that really believe in that. I can't speak to that as much because I don't do the Ironman distance, but I believe based off of their feedback that when they can get in two to four of those bars on the bike and they feel like it's absolutely changed. I know a one woman who finally did a under five hour bike split, which was like a really big challenge for her. And she was like, I swear it was from your bars. And then she ran a three hour marathon afterwards. Cause that's a lot of calories mm-hmm. per bar and yeah. you don't have, and it's, you don't have to carry a lot. And what BJ and I are finding is like, when we get on the run, if we fuel the right way, which we really do fuel the right way on the bike, I don't need much on the run. Right. I don't need like that. You know, you see that person with the belt with like 17 gels and yeah. you're like, dude, you're like, oh my God. They're, they're like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like having a baby or are you doing an Ironman? <laughs> like that's a lot of gels, yeah. man. And it's bouncing up and down. Like how yeah. is that comfortable? Like all this stuff. So it's like, it, yeah. but I think it also comes with experience, you know, um, <laughs> experience of of knowing your body right but just from the way you're describing it um that it seems like it's it's gonna like it's gonna stick to the ribs a little bit in in a way that is going to be sustainable and and then maybe you had out on the run with you know an eighth of what you thought you needed I think that it's a fine line though because BJ you're finding that like you need to take a little bit more in than you've been like he's playing mm-hmm. again with his nutrition because he kind of went to the other end where he's like, I don't need that much. But the level at which you're competing at now, you actually do, I think, need that extra boost mm-hmm. to give yourself a little bit more. Like you're not finishing Ironmans, you're racing them. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's that understanding of your body and it's constantly changing. So, you know, I've used, I've tried to use bars and just break them up into little pieces. Mm-hmm. And then I went to just cola and I would just have cola and I had a great marathon on cola. Hmm. but then I had another race and it just wasn't working well. So now I'm like, 
I'm trying to mix in gels, bananas, and cola. All on course. All, it's yep. all on course, so I don't have to carry anything. Right. But it's all an experiment. The point is it's all an experiment, yes. and your body changes. So there's things that you need to fine-tune. And also, let's get back to performance. Like, you need to be fit to run what you want to run off the bike. Right. It, most people have nutritional issues. Nutrition's a big part of it, but also they're pushing harder than they have trained at, and so their body is rebelling. So there's also that factor. So it's just determining which one it is and, and start to take ownership of your nutrition. And right. this could be a solution. This is this sounds like a great solution for the bike. Like let's fuel up on the bike. Let's get all the calories we can get in and then let the run. Like I know we get too so, specific into well, traffic. But... I totally think that for the feedback I've gotten is that's the case. And to your point, um, if if you don't stick to your plan on Ironman day, it's just too long of a day not to. So if you are going out of those zones or you're dipping in the red a little bit, like we all know that can do things to your absorption and like you start, especially if it's hot out or if you're at elevation or whatever it is. So, um, I, I really think that it's good to have a variety of things and I would never tell someone to eat like eight of my bars. I think that would be horrible advice. And I think that there are several other companies out there, real food bars and brands and things like Barnana that are doing great things. And I, I totally agree with, and I want to support their, their business models because I think we'll all grow together and people will start to get away from all the crap that's out there. What was important for me with cycling is in a road race, a really hard, intense road race, like getting your hands on food and getting it down is, is tough. But I'm one of those people that if a race is over two and a half hours long, I can't just do gels and what's in my bottles. Like I need something solid. And so I was testing them in road races and found that I was having some of like my best finishes. I was climbing better, even if I only got half of one in. And so I knew I was just making the connection to that, not getting like distended stomach or having any issues. So that that's like real world testing right there. Yeah. And I want to talk about your, I want to talk about your racing and things like that, but I'm assuming the name came from you and John. Yes. We actually <laughs> called it Harmony Bar first. And we, we were, went about as Harmony Bar for over a year waiting for our trademark and we lost it. We filed for the mark at the same time as two other companies. And one of the companies did not want to share it with us and that they're not in the food industry. So we had to take a step back and we didn't produce or sell for a year as we were trying to come up with a word and we couldn't find one that wasn't trademarked. So we essentially had to make up our own word. Is it Joji? Joji. Joji. Yep. yep. John and Jess. <laughs> I love it. But it's like, it's again, right. like you and I were just talking as we walked across the street, like you got to go all yep. in. Like if you look at our license plate, our license plate says Yogi Try. I spent the my entire life making fun of people with personalized license plates and now I've got one. Because you got to <laughs> go all in. You got to burn yeah. it deep in your heart you gotta, and, yeah. you, and you got to have unwavering faith. And so that said, so John comes to you and says, you got to do this. Like, we got to turn this into a business. Did you have a moment of like, did you have like, yes, yes, yes. And then like, oh my God, no, what, what are we doing? Like, did you have any wavering or fear? I had had, like all of my friends have been telling me the same thing, but John was the only person with actual really great business experience that I felt like understood 
because a lot of people have great ideas. Making it into a business is a whole nother thing that I've learned so much about. And I think I was 100% in until we started looking for commercial kitchens and I realized the amount of equipment we were going to need and I felt overwhelmed. And then I spoke with some of my cooking clients, my personal chef clients, and who had experience in the food industry and they said, oh, no, 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 no. You need to get what's called a co-packer. And a co-packer is a facility that already has all of the equipment, the cutting dies, the packaging, and usually you can find one that is certified gluten-free, so getting your your certifications in line, getting your third-party audits in line, like it makes it way easier. And we were lucky that we found a co-packer locally to start with. It's perfect. Like it was just there waiting for you. Without that, if we had gone into a commercial kitchen space and started that way, I don't think we would have ever worked out. So in that time when you're getting overwhelmed, how are you like continuing to move forward? Well, I don't know how I do this because sometimes I feel overwhelmed a lot, to be honest. And it's one of the things that it's always my resolution, like my daily, weekly resolution is to kind of like you were saying today, detach a little because I ha- I'm a high anxiety, high stress person. And it's because I, you know, I'm running a, a private chef business and an energy bar business and I'm a professional cyclist and I would like to be a great friend to my friends and like be able to see my family. And, you know, it, it's just like this huge balance and you just kind of check little things off. And if you look at the big picture too much, it's, you get really super overwhelmed. So when, and, and John is really good at that, making like those daily or weekly goals where he's kind of like, okay, take a deep breath. And, and I look up to him in that sense because he, I mean, he studies Buddhism. He meditates every single day. Um, I admire him because he just has this way about him of making me calm. But it's because he's practicing it. And he's practicing it. And he's taught me how to meditate. And I get really stressed out about it. I'm like, I need to meditate. I'm stressed. When am I going to find time to do that? And I'm like, wait, that is not the point. I'm getting this all but messed it up. Start, it starts that way. Yeah. Like, it starts that way. Let me tell you. Um I remember when I first started meditating, I was doing like five, ten minutes. And it was just like, oh, my God, I have to meditate. Or, oh, my God, I didn't meditate. Oh, great, now I have to meditate. Yeah, failed. Yeah, and then I would like sit down, and then the guy next door would turn the lawnmower on. I'm like, God damn it, you know. And then I was like enraged, and my meditation teacher was like, my, you have a lot of anger. I was like, oh, really? I'm like, hmm, maybe that's why I've punched <laughs> holes in walls before and yeah. smashed laptops, you know? And, and, but that's what happened. That's, that was my journey. When I sat to get still, right. I was like a volcano. I was super anxious, like really busy mind, very like easily frustrated, like, and overwhelmed doing too much and not knowing how to navigate it. And all I'm saying is that there's hope because if there's, if like I'm able to now meditate 45 minutes every morning and it's like, I wake up and it's like, oh my God, I get to sit quietly. That's so amazing. But it is like, it's at first it's, it's rocky. Right. And it's, it's like everything else. It's, it's no different than getting up and getting on your bike and getting, and getting the workouts done. It's, it's discipline and, but it gets easier. Yeah. It gets easier 
in a way that it's hard to understand. It's hard to describe how it gets easier, right? Like, yeah. like we've all been through this. Unless you like, you were born into a meditating family, and you were just right. that kind of like energy match for those people. It's probably not going to be as hard as it is for like somebody who like I live my whole life super type A overachiever perfectionist, and then all of a sudden I'm like I'm going to meditate. Yeah, it was like a night, like literally like a volcano. I thought it was going to explode, and there's going to be body parts everywhere <laughs> in a five minute yes. meditation. I feel like the, the, the mind doesn't want you to do this. Like the mind is going to come up with all these excuses. Like I want to sleep in, I had a long night mm-hmm. or, you know, I sat quietly yesterday when I was uh, checking email on my phone, like that works, works for it. So when I, so for me, when I saw those things, I saw it as this is exactly why I need to do it. This is exactly why, like it's, it's something is forcing me or saying that <clears throat> is roadblocking me from doing this, then I need to do it. Yeah. It's kind of like facing your fear. Like I'm sure on cycling, maybe it's like downhilling. Like I just got to face this. Like I have to, I have to just go after it. And so for me, it took long, much longer because I'm always a few steps, months, years behind Jess. But, <laughs> but now I get up at... But it wasn't as dramatic I mean, as mine Yeah, it wasn't as dramatic. I, I sort of... You didn't feel all like all work. your limbs were going to rip off. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you didn't have anger. The I had a lot of... I came into this world with a lot of anger. <laughs> but they I, say I was a happy baby, but I think I was a little devil inside. But I do embrace those moments in the morning. Yeah. Like, and, and I can feel, absolutely, I can feel when I do a workout in the day, when I haven't meditated, that there's something off. There's just something not... Do you, do you feel like that you can do meditation and yoga and it's the same or is it different? I, for me, I think that's the same as saying when I go for a run, I'm in meditation and, and, okay. and that's great. That's awesome. Like you can find a, a, com- a comfortable um, space, but right. your body's still moving. What so I mean, like when in the beginning or after, if, if you find a yoga teacher, that gives you that little, t- even if it's five minutes, that time. Yeah, I want to know who that yoga teacher is because I want to go to their class. <laughs> my, my experiences around here, I don't get a lot yeah, of that. Right. It's kind of like a circus. There's a lot of music and a lot of fanciness to the sequences and things like that. So I'm like, I find that I'm in my thinking mind a lot. Yeah. I found actually there's a sweet, have you ever gone to Yoga Bound here in Carlsbad Village? No. Really, like they've got meditation and sound healing classes. Oh my God, they are so unbelievable. The girl just like, she studies with a teacher and every month she goes for like a week to like these sound immersions and she's now learning like the science and everything around the vibratory healing effects of the sound. And BJ, I've taken you to these classes before, but you start with, she guides you through a meditation at first. And sometimes I sub this class, which is hysterical because I have no experience playing bowls, but I like line up all these crystal bowls and I'm like, all right, let's see how this shakes down. (laughs) She's going to rock the bowls for 45 minutes. But she'll take you through like a, um, like a 15, 10, 15 minute meditation and it's guided, which I find at the beginning is super helpful. And, um, because you've got something outside of you to follow and that's what the mind, the mind wants to go outside. It does not want to go in, does not want to go in and just be because it's not designed to do that. The mind is amazing. It's this beautiful, magnificent tool that's designed to think and analyze and label and judge. It's not designed to just be, to have experience. Whereas the breath in the body is actually experience and so when you put your when you put all of your awareness on that you pull your awareness away from your thoughts 
your 100% inexperience, which agitates the heck out of the mind. Right. But it's not about stopping your thoughts. It's a huge misconception that meditation, yoga, is about stopping your thoughts. So anyway, she'll do a guided meditation, and then you can continue to sit, or you just lay down like in Shavasana, and then she rocks the bowls, and yeah. it's super healing. It's really beautiful. So that could be a, a cool... All right. Maybe you can't come I'll sometime with me. Yeah. we've talked about going to a yoga class, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to laugh, because I, I like to go to core power. Power. Um, and that's, I'm power, that's, power vinyasa that's teacher, right? right here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Not core power. Not core but, power. But we're are we're trained in power, like <clears throat> yeah. power vinyasa. But core yeah. power is where it really. But now I teach everything because I just <clears throat> want to teach. So I'm like, right. Whatever. Restorative. Great. I can do that because the principles I teach very both BJ and I from a mindfulness standpoint. It's training the mind. That is my goal. I'm going to go in that class. I'm going to teach people how to train their mind. Mm-hmm. And so I use the poses as the vehicle to do that. Right. Um, but the, the, the actual practice is nice and challenging, but I can take that into whatever it is that that studio needs me to teach. So that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. But anyway, we are saying about core power. I just, I like the studio because I like the heated classes mm-hmm. that feels good on my body. But I also know the teachers that kind of, um, give you that time. Yes. And it just has dawned on me recently to kind of practice from the inside out. And I'm always a physical person and looking for that like burn and that workout and like, you know, oh, she's lunging lower than me over there. Like I'm going to. No, lunge lower than her. Like I'm, I'm like yoga person. Watch out, girl! I'm out lunging you right now. You're feeling it, and she's probably like doesn't even know that I'm next to her because she's probably doing yoga. Well, she might also be like, I'm gonna out eagle that dude in the front row. Watch out, dude. Could be. Like we're so self-absorbed. I mean, we're so self-absorbed. She's not thinking about you. She's thinking about herself and what she thinks other people are thinking about her. Yeah, I think. (laughs) I mean, but it's. I'm not afraid to admit that sometimes, you know what I mean? Like I stand in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten all that chocolate. Like that was really bad. I'm just going to lunge more now and burn it off. (laughs) That is the perfect, but that's a perfect balance for us. Like hardcore athletes, like we're, we're pushing the body, like we're pushing it out there. Why do we need to push it more? Like, why don't we exactly flip it? Like, I'm go going internal. to yoga, yes. and one, and it just like clicked up to me one day where I wasn't even paying attention to the physical part, and I got the be- it was the best class I've ever had. I was like dripping in sweat, and I, but I wasn't even thinking about what I was doing because I was just like so inside myself. Oh my god! That's... And I have to tell you, it was a day where I got to class late and I couldn't get a spot up by the mirror, which I like to be able to see. And so I couldn't see and I was just doing, just doing yoga in the back and it just like hit me. And I went and I told John, I said, I think I get what you mean about doing it from the inside out. That's beautiful. I, if I could, let's see, I think I have two studios where I teach with mirrors and it screws me up totally. Cause I'm like, do I look at them from the mirror? But I'm like, that's so weird because my back is to them. Yeah. In the physical. So then I turn around and, but then sometimes they're lined up right next to me. It's very, the mirrors thing. And I think two things. Number one, it throws them off my balance because I'm looking at my wobbly body and I'm trying to have like a, a focused point. And so it doesn't, that doesn't work. It doesn't work for me that, that great. The other thing is like, I think that the mirror engages the ego. 
Mm. Like, oh my mm. God. Oh, I didn't know that my shoulder opened. Oh, that. Like, oh, my shoulder. Or that my shoulders good. are actually looking <laughs> that good. My shoulders look good. You know yeah. what? I'm yeah. done with I'm done with this bra. Yeah. Like, I'm not wearing this. I'm done with it. I don't like the way it looks. Like, I'm done. <laughs> no, and now, like, like, it's, that's not yoga. <laughs> None of that is yoga. Where is this armpit fat coming from? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I. Lululemon bra. <laughs> I know. I said, oh my God, I'm sure this. And now I have armpit fat. Tucking my armpit fat back in right now. I'm glad this isn't on video. But so to answer your question, those moments of stillness, if you can find a teacher that gives those to you at the beginning, at the end, absolutely soak them up. Like just be in that. That's your meditation. Um, I think like going out and running or cycling or swimming or even the physical practice of yoga is a meditative movement, Mm -hmm. but it's not a substitution for meditation because a requirement of meditation is like you, you need to sit and you need to be still. And I, and I think from that, from that point, like if that's the root of this like gorgeous flower that you're growing in your life to expand from that root comes a meditative life where like I'm talking to you right now and I can fully feel like my feet connected into my shoes, which are connected to the floor. Like I'm so aware of the experience that my body and like I'm hearing my voice, but I'm hearing it from like an outside perspective. Like I'm Mm -hmm. hearing it as like, I'm like witnessing this whole thing going down right now. So like I've gotten to a point where my, literally my life is like a meditation. And I remember that at the beginning, the great thing about athletes with meditation, um, is that we want to, we want to like, we're we're not going to give up, right? We're not going to give up. It can be a, it can be a hell of a battle to get it going. And I know like for me, it was, I don't know, 10, 20 years of people being like, you should really meditate, like you should really meditate, you know, or you can probably end up in jail. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and I avoided it at all costs, but what, what happened was I, I went into it and was like, ah, this is just another discipline like I get to train my mind just like I train my body and wow if I can if I can do this and transform my body and look better and feel better and be stronger I can do that with my mind I can think better thoughts about myself and other people and I can be more fit and I can be better and more clear in the decisions that I make and a lot of maybe people enter it this way I don't know I entered it as like watch out world I'm going to be like the next Dalai Lama, right? Like scoot (laughs) over because I'm going to master this thing. And as much as I brought ego into it, like I'm going to be the best meditator. I'm going to be better than you. Like to my teacher, like I'm going to be better than you. Like I might be teaching you someday. That type of like will is really required Mm -hmm. to, to sit every day, to sit every day. So it's, that's why, that's, I mean, Yogi Triathlete is like, this is why we exist because athletes are like the perfect people to start a discipline of their mind. Right. Because what, what does it come down to on, on race day? Really? It's, you know, it's mental. Like how is your mental nutrition? I don't think people talk enough about that. Actually, people talk a lot about training and a lot about food, but I feel like once in a while, a very gifted athlete that has some amazing result will mention that. But also sometimes I think people want to keep it to themselves because it's like the secret of train. Like we're all going through the same thing, but some people do have a mental edge and an ability to just 
it's even been shown in scientific studies that you can change your pain receptors if you know how to do that. It's a practice. It's, it's just like anything else. I was just talking to BJ about this yesterday because he's really getting to... What did you say to me yesterday about racing Arizona? Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't wait. So this is my third Ironman this year. Whoa. And I can't wait. To, and I'm fresh. You know, I'm not drained. I can tell. Not, like, you seem really like... I'm surprised when you're like, I'm about to start tapering from Ironman. I'm like, really? What's wrong with you? It's the cacao. It's all the cacao. And I haven't been on caffeine for six months. Oh, I cut that out, that's too. why you asked me that. Okay. Um, but uh, but I, I'm eager because with the, with the meditation and with all this type of training where I haven't been so committed to like, I need to do 100% of everything. Like I want to see where my mind is going to be and come that run. Like I'm a good runner. I know that. Like I'm a good runner in my mind. I I need to go out there and I need to prove it. I need to show it. And I want to be in those moments. I want to be at mile six when I'm like, oh my God, I have 20 miles to go. I want to be at mile 15 saying, oh my God, like I still have, I still have to run hard. I want to be in those moments because I've been tapping into that in my training. You know how you do sets, like you do like three, you know, lacked above threshold Mm -hmm. sets, three times 10 minutes. And you're like, you're pushing and you're pushing, you're at eight minutes. You're like, I don't know if I have it. But if you really get into the pedal stroke, relax yourself and just feel it, Mm -hmm. it's two minutes. Yeah. And you push the same Watts and you're like, oh my God, I just did it. I did it. And then I did it again. But when you go enter that workout, you're sometimes like, I don't know if I'm going to get three sets in and maybe I'll get two, I'll get two sets in and some of the third. You know, that's your professional cyclist. Like you, it's that. Yeah. There's little techniques that you have yes. to do. And you get into that gap where your mind is saying back off. You know, your central governor is like, we need to protect yeah. you. Like this is, you're getting into some scary zone here. But to have those breakthroughs, like to, to have that. Med- so what I was saying is I want to be at that moment. I can't wait to get into that run in Arizona and feel those moments. Like today in the pool, I had this, I feel like we always talk about the pool, but again, another challenge in the pool. I it comes up another this. workout. Like I have to do this set in between. Well, I've only got this much time. No, I have plenty of time. Why am I trying to put, in reality, I have enough time. It's just, do I really want to do it? Yeah. And then I get to the last nine by 100s and I'm like, do I really need to do nine? I'll do like three. And it's like, no. No, just do it. Do the workout. Who cares what the end like yeah. time is? Like remove, detach from the yardage that you're going to be able to put down in training peaks. Like detach yeah. from that and just do it. And so that's what we're, that's what we're trying to tap into. And that's what I'm, I'm eager to see in Arizona. I often think that what you're saying, bartering, bartering sets away or intervals away from myself. And I'm like, seriously, I could go on Instagram and blow away 30 minutes like that. Like this 30 minutes will be over in 30 minutes and I will be so much more satisfied and prepared if I just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole like detachment thing and the letting go thing and all of that, like as much as the mind wants like a little PDF that says here are the 10 (laughs) steps to detachment, all of this stuff, it all comes again from that root because what happens is like you start to get, you get more, everything starts to clear out and you get, you just see things so much more clear and you see that like all of this mind stuff that's happening during a workout is a waste of energy. 
energy mm-hmm. that you could be mm-hmm. using and probably pushing higher watts and being more successful and have achieving higher performance. But to go back to your point about the pain receptors, so I got to a point with in my meditation, like the last two Ironmans, last two Ironmans I did, where I was really working with my teacher on turning on and off pain because for me, it wasn't about the finish line. I was like, I'll get to the finish line. I don't care about the finish line. I want to get so skillful at learning these techniques so I can teach them because I right. knew I was supposed to teach them. So I would literally be on the marathon portion of the, of the Ironman turning on and off the pain in my body. Like so cool by using, by using a well-trained mind. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and a well-trained mind, meaning I am in full control of where my awareness goes. And when your awareness gets fully pulled away from that sensation in your body, that pain shuts off because now the awareness is somewhere else and the brain is now connected to where that awareness is. And so... Like I would be on the in the run and I would go back and forth with it. I'd like bring it back into my foot and then I would take it out and I'd bring it back and I would take it out and I was just like, home. like it's crazy. Like I, it was such a trip to be able to play with this. And so the power that we can have from training our mind is far beyond what we can get out of the body. Right. Like from training the body. Yet we're so tied into the physical. Mm-hmm. The, the meditation and the mindfulness and all that, like it's, it's growing. I've seen it. Like it's, I mean, look at us. We're talking about it. It just kind of came into the conversation, which I was really excited about. I was like, yes, John studies Buddhism (laughs) (laughs) and he meditates. But I think why some people are kind of quiet about it. And I work with some people who I don't, I don't really talk about who I I work with because I want to keep it I want to keep it like it's a it's a very sacred thing. Like I'm teaching them very ancient teachings that also happen to be scientifically proven now, which is so beautiful. But it's very much teacher to student, and I'm even very careful about what I talk about on this podcast because there's things that don't need They're to be private, broadcasted. Right. It's teacher to student. That's how the ancient lineage goes. But with it, and I'm so free of this now, which is beautiful. But like, there's a vulnerability to saying I meditate and that I'm mindful. There's a vulnerability in that it's weakness. Like the ego will see it as weakness. You know, like, oh, they're mindful, they're gentle, they're not strong. But you want to talk about power? Being able to turn on and off pain in your body? That's mm-hmm. insane. That's, that's metaphysical, beyond physical. Metaphys- metaphysics. It's really, really cool stuff what you can do. But... Just the discipline of sitting and being still, so much comes from that at no extra effort. And like yeah. I see BJ rising into this place now where I never thought I would hear him say, I can't wait to get on the run so I can like play with my mind right. out there. Whereas before you would be like, <clears throat> I'm going to go kick some ass. And you are going to kick ass, but you're also going to be out there like working towards mastery because you got to like, you got to put yourself in the situation and use the tools. Yeah. There's no, I mean, you can, you know, training, like you can do all the workouts you want, but the race situation is so unique, right? Exactly. Especially in road racing, because it is not your plan ever. Like you're not, yeah. you can't speak. Yeah. Your I want to plan, talk but, about but, but yeah. So, so road racing, let's give our audience. So you're a professional cyclist. Yes. So stage races. Stage races. One day one races. One day races. 
and I, I got my start in Xterra off-road triathlon. So I have done triathlon. Um, I did it for four years. I won the national championship as an amateur. Um, I don't think my swimming and my running would have ever gotten to the level that it needed to be to be very competitive as a professional. Um, but my biking was... I mean, it was noteworthy and it came a lot easier to me with less injury. Um, with that said, the reason why I got into road racing is I had the iliac artery endofibrosis in my right leg. Um, and so I had a full um, external iliac artery repair done in 2012. I mean, my my artery was 92% occluded. So I could barely even walk upstairs at that point with Without how did that come on and explain to people what that is? So essentially, your iliac artery is it splits off from your aortic artery into your femoral artery, and it's the main blood flow into your leg. And now there there's more information. It's been discovered in cyclists and triathletes. You can't do it to yourself. It's not like you're overtraining or you're doing something wrong. It's they don't know the exact cause, but it's some sort of genetic issue with people who either have an, some sort of autoimmune issue with their artery resisting your psoas muscle, which lays right next to it. And as it becomes enlarged, it hitting that. And so all of our arteries are going to press on that muscle. For some reason, the people that have this issue, it's pressing on that and it's protecting itself by hardening and closing. On top of that, it seems like everybody that gets it has extra long arteries. And so they'll fold back on each other or they won't even close. They'll just fold back on each other. But this was not very well understood when I was diagnosed with the condition. It took me almost two years to figure out what was going on. What were your first symptoms? My first symptoms were running hill repeats actually at Torrey Pines and my calf felt like it was going to explode. It first was in my calf and I went to the doctor that day. I thought I had compartment syndrome or something. I was really scared. I was laying on the side of the trail. Like I really thought that my muscles were going to burst out of my skin. I remember that day so specifically of the amount of pain I was in and I wanted to race nationals and worlds my first year as a pro in Xterra. And I did that, but I did it like limping through the run. And then I immediately took 12 weeks off from running. I was like, I have an injury. I'll just, you know, no one can figure out what's wrong. My first run back, I was three steps into it and I, it was already bad. And then it started in my quad on hard training rides or hill repeats, like a vice squeezing your leg shut. And I, I ended up, I can't remember who introduced me to this radiologist, but he knew about this condition and had worked with other professional cyclists and he tested me and he was literally jumping up and down in the room looking at the ultrasound because it was so clear cut. He's like, I've never seen one this bad. Like he, we did a test on the bike and I mimicked the feeling of what I was experiencing and he um he couldn't even get a blood pressure reading um in my leg I mean I wasn't even I didn't even have a pulse down there oh my god during exercise it was really it wasn't like life-threatening or like I was going to lose my leg but so um I met I met a radiologist who's also here in town or a 
um, vascular surgeon. And he uses a technique where he takes your saphenous vein out of your thigh and uses that to to replace your artery. And it's an invasive procedure. They cut you down the middle. They take out all your organs and your bladder. There's two surgeons. um, And they go below the muscle and they cut out that section of artery and then they patch it with the vein. Right, because all that stuff, that aorta is lying behind all of that. Oh, my. So I had that done. And... Uh, How long ago was this? That was in October of 2012. And at the time I was dating John and um, I just, all the guys here, they were like, you need to be a road racer. You're so good on the bike. And like the one thing that I have on a bike that's unique is that I understand how a bike works. So I I can ride a bike is what I'm saying. Like I have really good fitness, but I know you know, I'm a good descender and I'm efficient. And so I can, I can fit in on these group rides and with these guys, not based off of pure talent, but out of the fact that like, I really understand like, and I don't know where that came from. It's just like how some people can be downhill mountain bikers and they don't even think about it. And they're like flipping off things like down the side of a cliff. I don't know where it came from, but I gave a a big race, a try and was like beating professional women in my entire teams by myself and started thinking, okay, I think I, I need to do this. And, and I gave it a shot and it was just like a natural progression of within a year, I had a professional contract and that was at the end of 2014. But going into that following season, um, I had the same thing with my left, my other leg, my left leg. And I ended up, and this was right after, this was right after having my first crash ever on a road bike where my tire came off my wheel on a descent at the national championships. And I had a really bad crash and a severe, severe concussion. And I broke my collarbone. Um, and it was really scary to have a mechanical like that. Um, going so fast, going so fast. How fast were you going? Like, I think we were going close to 50 miles an hour. I think my Garmin was like 48 miles an hour. And I was in the break. I was in the break with like Megan Garnier and Evie Stevens and Allison Powers who won that, and you know, this elite group of eight people. And I'm this new girl who just got her cat one and like just wanted it so bad. I wanted it so bad. And we were descending off the mountain and went into this turn and just... Yeah. So (laughs) I recovered from this massive injury, a month in bed of really, the best thing I did is that I was monitored closely and had good advice about a concussion. So I healed my concussion properly. I had two surgeries on my collarbone um, and just kind of really put in the hard work over the winter and had this, I still had all the pro teams reaching out to me. And like believing in me and being like, that really sucks that that happened to you. That was really horrible. It was scary for everyone that saw it. And um, then this happened with my artery on the left leg. And so that was the beginning of my first professional season. I missed my first team camp. I was devastated. Like I thought my life was over. Yeah, this is intense. This question I have is how did you learn to trust the bike again? It's really interesting because that 
that crash did not really affect me mentally. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I had such a bad concussion or I have so much confidence in my own bike handling skills. If I had been going down that hill and I had crashed myself out, it would be a different story. But I felt like that was out of my control and it's probably never going to happen again. And it just, it never really bothered me. I was like, I thought I was going to be the best road racer ever. And I had some really talented and famous professional men who had spent the summer, the winter here riding. And I'm not going to name drop, but they were like, you, this is what you were meant to do. And they were helping me. They were pushing my name out to USA Cycling and I I didn't have an ego about it, but I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Europe. I'm going to race. And so I I was just focused on that. I was completely focused on that. I was focused on my first year as a pro. This, the team that I rode for was, they had me racing with USA cycling in Europe for the entire spring, which I didn't get to do because of my artery surgery. And then that's where I made my mistake was I tried to come back from that way too quickly. I panicked. And I had a coach at the time that was really pushing me way too hard. And I don't think he understood how invasive it was. Did you panic in a way that you thought these opportunities were going to fall away? Mm-hmm. Like you needed to get back and show up? Yes. Was this the, so you had the surgery on the right side. Yes. And then did you have the surgery? Because you had it on your I left. Done, so you had it on, on the your left, left side. And then you came back. Yeah. And then this is, that's when this happened. Okay. I had it in my head that I needed <clears throat> to come. I had the surgery at the end of January. Redlands Classic is a big American stage race that's in the beginning of April. And that's where I'd had my most success the year before trying to break into the sport. And I just had it in my head that I needed to do that race. And it was, it was not good. (laughs) I, I, I've created like some, some nerve issues on that side during that time. And it just, it wasn't good. And on top of it, like my body was still trying to play catch up from such an invasive surgery. And I think my hormones and stuff were really, really off. Like I ended up getting diagnosed with Hashimoto's that year. And since then I've, and I got put on Synthroid and that destroyed me. Like that absolutely destroyed me. I, it did the opposite of what it was supposed to do. I gained a ton of weight. I felt horrible. I was like jittery all the time. So it was almost like it was increasing my energy, but then it wasn't doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like this whirlwind of things. And then, so I couldn't do my training and I was showing up at races underdone, but I was riding like I was overdone because it just, yeah, it it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't good. (laughs) It was, and I'm not afraid to talk about it or to admit it because I think every professional athlete out there has made this mistake with an injury or a setback. Um, And yeah, it was a very, very, very tough and humbling year. And that's kind of like once I got dropped for the first time ever on a climb, that's when my confidence started to go because I had never been dropped like that before. I just refused. I would never let myself go there. And it just was this downward, like once you do it once and then it starts happening and you don't feel good. Um, and then you're kind of in this weird like jumble on descents and stuff. And so you're not riding like yourself. And that's when things start to get weird. 
even with all of that, I really was able to like gather myself up at the end of the season. I had a huge break and basically my team was like, you need to take some time off the bike. We still believe in you, but something has to change. I had this big break and I came back in 2016, slowly, strong, was probably back to 90% at Tour of Gila, which is another big stage race last year. And that race is notorious for really devastating crashes. Every year there's some, something happens there. This year, a rider in the men's field, he died in a crash there. And I don't want to, I mean, I almost feel bad even bringing that up, but the year before there was this crash where guys were getting airlifted off the highway. And I don't know what it is about this stage race, but there was a crash in the women's race. And I think about 60 people crashed and it was kind of this cascade of like on a false descent at 50 miles an hour. And I was right here next to a concrete bridge wall. And so I was the one that was smashed into the wall and I broke my leg, I broke my arm, I broke my wrist, I was impaled on the wall. I have holes in my legs where the rebar like had me on the wall. And so- <laughs> This is last year. This was last year, this was last May. And that was the most painful thing that I've ever been through in my whole life. It was absolutely like, I didn't ever think I would ride a bike again. I was in a lot of pain for a very long time. At the same time, though, mentally, for some reason, I went to this happy place and I stayed there and it really, it helped me get through it. I mean, I could, I could go into detail about that crash, but, um, yeah. So after that, it's not the crashing that scares me. It's the fact that I've been in a situation where I've experienced that much physical pain and I've had to live through the day, the hour to out the minute minute day hour whatever like it is a very arduous process, um, and you're alone a lot. And at, you know the first week when something like that happens, everybody is engaged, and then everyone kind of and they're not doing it on purpose. I mean, people have their lives to live, but then you know, you're still spending 20 minutes trying to lift your leg out of bed every morning and like crying while you're peeing because like it hurts so bad to sit down. And like so you go through this. And um, I actually, so for three months, I didn't, I couldn't walk, I couldn't ride. I got my final casts off three months after the accident and booked a flight to Montana that day and flew home to Montana where I'm from to start my real recovery. Two weeks later, John was hit by a car here in the bike lane. It was a hit and run, and he broke his back. He had a compound fracture, broke almost every bone in his body, lacerated a bunch of organs, completely passed out, lived in the ICU for two weeks, and that's when it kind of all clicked and came together What, why this was happening in my life because I came back here and I stayed with him and I took care of him. And when I say take care of him, I mean like this guy could not do anything on his own. I mean, he was like this close to being paralyzed. But I knew, I understood. I knew what was happening like in his mind and in his body because I had just been through something so similar and so devastating. 
unfortunately I was away from here cause I couldn't, I couldn't even like travel back here in the state that I was in. So I had a nurse and I had someone taking care of me. But when I came back, John was the one who came over and unpacked all my stuff and like drove me to the grocery store. And so, yeah, I think, um, looking back on it all, there's no way one, I would, I would have been racing in Europe when he got hit. And two, I don't think that I would have had the empathy to step out of my little bubble to understand what was happening with him. And he really needed that. And I think got, like in some ways I needed it and it strengthened our bond. Yeah. I'm kind of rambling on about this, but no, you, <laughs> you guys have a soul contract. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no doubt. And you, God, you're, you're like other amazing professional, you know exactly what I'm going to say. You're like other amazing high performance athletes that we've had on this show. You are more yogi than I think you know that you are. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Like this, you've said it several times, like you just knew, you just know how to ride a bike. You just knew you could see. Like, it all made sense. It came together. Like, you have an innate ability to have the 10,000-foot view. Mm -hmm. And there's no effort. The wisdom drops in. Like, we call it a download. Like, you just get this download. You don't question it. It's a knowing. Yeah. It's a knowing. It's not a, oh, what if? Maybe. Or, oh, God, this, this. Like, oh, it was just by chance. None of it is by chance. Like, and it all makes sense. And, um, yeah. That's intense, girl. I, I, I someday, I don't want to be depressing and get into this now. And someday I'll be ready to talk about this publicly and I might write a book. But I've had a really hard life like ever since a childhood. A lot of really bad things happened to me when I was little just based on family and circumstantial issues. Um, and I feel like I don't know how I've had a lot of one-on-one therapy, um, just to work through like post-traumatic stress and things that happened when I was a little kid. And I'm in a great place now as an adult and everything And therapists always end up asking, they're like, how do you, how did you not end up on the streets or a drug addict? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's like, you're saying that I've always just had this, like, I'm lucky. I've never, I've always just had this like positive light pulling me in a certain way in this ability to deal with a lot of pain. And now I look at it as more of like this, like learning experience, because in some ways people can find inspiration from it, or they feel okay talking to me about similar circumstances. And so when it comes down to stuff like this, I can always really like, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, my whole life has been so painful and I know how to deal with it. But it ha- like it hasn't been an easy thing. I've always had to work very hard at everything that I've done. And I'm really proud that I've, you know, I put myself through school and I have a master's degree in a business and I feel like great friendships and this amazing life. There is something there, I, I think. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely there and it's a positive thing. Like you've had the light pulling you. Right. Like I, know that. Ex- I know exactly. I know exactly what that feels like. There's like something within the storm. There's something within you that's very powerful. That's always, no matter what is raining down, mm-hmm. is, is still guiding you. Yes. Yeah. And 
I mean, I'll go off the rails a little here, like from a spiritual standpoint, you, this blueprint of your life was already decided by you before you came into this world. And I think that there's a part of you that's really, really strong that understands that on a level that maybe you haven't heard it in these words before, but that's what allows you to flow and move through it because you had to come here and you had to experience these things, Mm -hmm. but that, that strong light and power that's within you has always been right there by your side. It's really gorgeous. Like you're working out some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. And yet I feel so happy. I tell the story and I'm like, I'm happy. I mean, I've let go of the, I'm going to be the professional that goes to Europe and I'm just stoked that I get to ride my bike and I get paid a little money to do it. And it's just so You live in gratitude. Gratitude. You live in gratitude. Your level of gratitude, your, your, the level of appreciation is just elevated so right. high. And that detachment from racing in Europe or whatever that is, it, it's the, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is right right here exactly. and right now. Like y- you appreciate cycling. Yeah, you have kick-ass power and you've got this threshold. That's amazing. That's a gift. That's such an amazing gift. And you can just use it to go out and ride for fun and still race if you want. But it's like that stuff doesn't control us. Like that yeah. those like this race I'm having doesn't control me. Like there's going to be plenty more races or not. It doesn't matter. But what matters is this whole, like, and people talk about the journey, but mm-hmm. if you fully invest in it, it's self-discovery. It's just self-discovery. And if you just, oh, just soak it's it It's liberating. Up, and that's it, probably why you're going to have an amazing run at your race. Cause you're just like, fr- you're free of free. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the detachment. And I think that, I think that you've, you've, learn detachment on many, on many, many levels. Um, and when we look, when we look at, and I said at the beginning of the show, I don't know if the mics were on or not, but like everything is energy. And so injury, um, attraction to devastating events, trauma, whatever that looks like, is manifestation of negative energy. And when mm-hmm. it shows up in the body, like in your legs and those crashes, it's, it's an opportunity. It sh- it's, it's a mindset shift of <clears throat> like, it's an opportunity to heal. It's all healing. That's slamming into the rebar, which sounds like horror movie material, was you healing. Yeah from whatever that negativity was that you were carrying around, that rebar going into your body was pushed because that's what it took. That's what mm-hmm. it takes. So when we you see, get it, it sounds crazy, but I needed something that dramatic. Yes. To really like, exactly. Yes. So like everything, the other stuff, remember this always. And everybody who's listening, remember this always. And I was just talking about this yesterday. Everything always resolves to good. Everything always resolves. It always resolves to good. Everything does. And even when we see these horrible things that happen in the world, the good that come, one of the goods that comes out of it, and there's many, and um, there's one that I'll speak about, is that it, it brings a cohesiveness to a consciousness of love. 
that we now pray for people, that we hold them closer in our heart, people that we quote unquote don't know. And so everything always resolves to good. And, um, and you being in that accent and then being able to serve and, and that you live in this like acute gratitude because you know very, very well that the moment that we're in is so, so precious. Mm -hmm. And that it's just like the breath. Our life is just a series of moments. And so life is like, to me, it's like the breath. Like a moment comes in, I receive it, and then it goes out. And I never get it back. And another moment comes in, thank God, if all goes well, another moment comes in, and I receive it, and then it goes out, and I never get it back. And it's the same thing with the breath. There's no two breaths that'll ever be the same because the body that I live within will never be the same in a moment because there's, you know, that as well. Like the physiology, physiology of the body is always changing. Mm -hmm. And so we, to go back to like the, the training and like, I just want this 30 minute block to be over. It's like, whoa, like one thing my mom always used to say to me when I was younger as, and she probably still says it now, though I've changed so much, she probably doesn't need to. She would always say to me, like, Jess, don't rush your life. Like, don't rush yeah. your life, honey. It's right here for you right now. And whatever that looks like. But keeping in mind and holding in our heart that it always resolves to good. No matter what. That we're, that this is a world of suffering. Like, we, mm-hmm. we, like the, the, the central governor, like we've got this hard wiring, this reptilian brain that says, that says no suffering, no pain, survival instinct. Well, that was for when like the, and that's really good for when the tiger jumps out of the, for, you know, yeah. in the forest or the jungle. I don't even know. Thank God I haven't had that scenario. Jungle, but maybe. <laughs> the way that we've evolved is that that happens when an e- email comes in. It's like, oh my God, there's the email, like it's the tiger. And, and so we need to override that. Because we've evolved into this high stress, very sick, um, non-gratitude. We count our burdens. We don't count our blessings. We live in a state of lack. We want to rush our lives. We drag around the past like a freaking eight. Like it's like the biggest Mm -hmm. trailer of like our past. And we drag it all around. And then we project into the future. And it's like, oh my God. We're missing the moment that we're living because the one that just came in is now gone and it will never come back. Amen. Amen. Namaste. Sister. Namaste. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Whoa. That was, I, this is a great conversation. <laughs> I'm so excited that we, um, that you emailed me one day. Likewise. Yeah. That I was you, like, I knew when I found you, I was like, this girl, like she's got to go on there. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, for those that, that don't know or don't get the physical magazine, <laughs> that I was featured with how many other chefs? Two. Two other chefs in Triathlete Magazine in October. It's the, it's the current issue, the October issue, and actually released a recipe from the cookbook that I promise is coming out. <laughs> We're just waiting for those last, when you write your book, yeah. just like add in, well, you'll have a publisher and everything, but add in like another like year just yeah. to, just to wait to get the blurbs back in support. And it's like so grateful. Like the people that we have right, backing right. this book is so amazing and I'm so grateful and timing is always so perfect. Right. But that you just reached out, you found, how did you find us? Like you, it was like kind of this quote unquote random, but not random because I, I was, so I write for triathlete magazine and they asked me to find three chefs who are triathletes. 
and I Googled triath- I knew one personally, um, and so I reached out to him right away. Someone's agent actually reached out to Triathlete Magazine randomly, and that's how we found the other person. But then I Googled, and I found you, and I, I was like, oh, yeah. And I was thinking, I really hope she responds to me right away because I probably wrote five other people, and they all responded too. But I just, like, I connected with your blog and your page and stuff. So, <clears throat> yeah. And I, I think it was, cool. you were like, and I need it by Monday. Yeah. And I like was that. like, oh, and by the way, I need it in an hour. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was per, it was just perfect, so perfect. timing. Yeah. It was all perfect. So, um, someday I'll get my hands on that hard copy, but we do have the PDF. We'll put a yeah. link in the show yeah, notes to that, but I'm so glad to be connected with you. It's Thank amazing. You. So where are you now with cycling and all of that? So I'm in my off season and I'm going to ride for Hoggins Berman Supermint again next year. Our, um, the highest level of American racing is called, um, UCI domestic continental. And that's what my team does, which means we do all of the major American races, but we can also race in Europe if we get accepted to races. Um, but we'll just focus on a basic American season with sort of the pinnacle being tour of California. Nice. And when's uh, up? That is May 17th, 18th and 19th. Maybe I can't remember. They just released the dates. Um, yeah. And right now I'm going to plug our Kickstarter for Joe J. Yeah. That's kind Please of like you. my life right now is the Joe J bars. We, have launched a campaign on Kickstarter and we have a nice video up there that gives you a two and a half minute um, picture into our world and who we are and about the bars. And so I just encourage everyone to go on to Kickstarter, check it out. Um, any donation, small or large, is amazing and we have good rewards. So you'll at least get a reward of being able to try the bars. We have hats and backpacks and some like higher level rewards for um, large donations, but yeah, that's that's what I have going on. And I, th- I, you're such a beautiful example of somebody who's living purpose because you've 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 in a state of fluidity. You have found these these things have found you. You know that you have been connected with these different things in life. Like you can ride a bike. Like you went on and did a VO2 test and, you know, and all of a sudden you're off the charts and like, you didn't even know, but everything has been, there's something about you that's super open that allows this stuff to come in all of it, right? Clearly. Mm -hmm. And so we can label it as good or bad or, you know, like painful and not painful, but you're such a beautiful example of the balance of life and that we have to be willing to put ourselves out there um, and, and, and breathe every heartbeat and, and live every breath because it's, it's so, so precious. And I'm just so grateful to have you in my home and looking at you right now and having this conversation. It was really more than, um, I could have ever imagined. And, um, so we'll put a link in the show notes to the Kickstarter campaign. I cannot wait to dive into this, some of those. So we'll be doing some Instagram stuff on that. And you should try some on your ride tomorrow. Long, yeah. PJ's yeah. last long ride see, tomorrow. See and let's see. Anything else? Final question? Uh, I, have a, I have a final question for the athletes. For the athletes out there that... that um, I might have one after you. Okay. What's your favorite workout? Let's ask like one of those questions. Yeah. Like what do, you, what do you love? Like what is your favorite... When you're on there and you're just kind of like digging it. I love the group rides. I think 
I can never get that kind of workout on my own. And so I just, I love the Swami Saturday ride, especially in the winter on the long loop. It is so hard. <laughs> it is so, so hard, but, um, it prepares you <laughs> for sure. But, and I like climbing. I like doing intervals on Palomar Mountain. Nice. You gotta get join the Swami's ride. I bull. It's road bikes, right? I don't know if they allow tri bikes. I have one bike. <laughs> it's a tri bike. They are not it huge gets, fans of tri bikes, right. it, and it, it's it too sketchy. Yeah, yeah totally. I wouldn't bring a TT bike totally. on the ride. Oh God, we're it, getting, I, you wouldn't feel comfortable. We're getting but, messages here that we need to buy road. But bikes. I do love Palomar on the south, well, the east. The, is that the east side, the eleven mile climb? The south grade is south more grade? like switchbacky, and then the east grade is a little so, more mellow. From Henshaw. Up. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. the one I've done. I haven't. Yeah. I've only come down the steps. Yeah. 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 That sounds awesome. Trainer or no trainer? Like, no trainer. No trainer. You like to get out. Yeah, that's why I live in SoCal in the winter. I just I I don't think I would do the sport if I had to ride the trainer. And I know there's. You can get quality workouts, but I'm an outdoorsy person. <laughs> it's so amazing. It's why it's I do it. It's just so... <laughs> yeah. It's... The weather's not just nice. It's perfect. perfect. <laughs> it's, it makes you way too soft for cycling, though. Like, go to Europe in the spring, and you're like, crap, why did I live in California all winter? I'm not prepared. <laughs> not prepared for this at all. I think you're a pretty tough check. <laughs> you're gonna get it done. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Amazing. Total badass, right? I love this girl so much. I'm so grateful she's in my life and I can't wait to get her into a sound healing class with me soon. And I think she needs to join us for the M21 challenge. So there's your official invite, Jess. You know you wanna be a part of it, girl. Thanks again to everyone who tuned in today. Check out the show notes to connect with Jess and JoJ Bars. If you're feeling a call, consider supporting this amazing tribe member in reaching their Kickstarter goal. There's only a few weeks left. They are doing well, but they still have a ways to go. Let's see what else. Our High Vibe Retreat offering is up on the website, complete with a sample itinerary. There is a link in the show notes, so check that out. We are offering a limited number of these retreats in the perfection that is San Diego training and living. One per month in December, January, February, and March. Perfect for a single person, couples, friends, training partners. All the info is on the site. Contact us to get your retreat started. I will be in New York City starting on the 11th of this month. I'm attending the Main Street Vegan Academy, and when I return home, I will be a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. If you're in the area, let me know. Maybe we can catch up for a run or a yoga class or a tea. I would love that. Uh, always love connecting with our community in person. BJ is getting ready to race Ironman Arizona, and he will be offering free yoga for the athletes and the community in the days leading up to the race. So keep an eye out for that info. All right, you guys, that is it for this week. Keep the vibe high. Choose your breath first. Why? So you can create the space to see your locked and loaded responses, the tendencies of your mind, and the space between our pre-patterned behaviors and our actions. That is the only space where we have full access to our free will, one of our greatest gifts in this life.